Hello folks, welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current sports social worker. On today's episode, we're joined by Colton Ray St. Cyr. Colton played Division I basketball, Coastal Carolina. Following his time at Coastal Carolina, Colton played internationally here in Canada as well as overseas. Today, we sit down to talk about the stigma of mental health and sport community, changes that can be made to enhance and improve the overall well-being of athletes, as well as the impact that injuries can have on an athlete's mental health. Thank you and enjoy. And folks, we're back with Colton Ray St. Cyr. Colton, thanks for joining us today on Courtside Wellness. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So, Colton, you played four years NCAA Division One with uh, Coastal Carolina. You played international here in Canada, and you played international basketball in Germany. So I'll throw the ball over to yourself and let you introduce kind of who you are. Yep, I'm Colin Ray St. Cyr uh, from Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, like you said, got to play four years at a Division One level at Coastal Carolina. Got to play in a couple of NCAA tournaments. Um, then got to take my talents over to Canada, played with the Edge for a little bit, uh, then moved on after that and played in Montenegro for a little short stint and then moved my way up on to Germany. And uh, yeah, that's where I finished out. And now I'm just playing for, playing here and there in different leagues, trying to get into the the basketball tournament, the TBT here in a couple of months. So hopefully everything goes well with that. Awesome. Like I said, you definitely, like I said, we got to see, you know, parts of the world. Like I said, I'm sure going to uh, March Madness tournament was great experience there as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Best best experience probably of my basketball career. This is something you can't uh, you can't duplicate. No, for sure. And for yourself, oftentimes we ask athletes, coaches, different individuals in sports, you know, is mental health a topic that's ever discussed either at the collegiate level or at the professional level? Um, I think that mental health probably isn't discussed as much as it should be in the collegiate level. Um, I think, you know, the stigma around mental health in the professional sports is, is becoming a, a growing thing. Uh, people are starting to be more aware. And, you know, we got guys advocating for it, like Kevin Love and people like that who I've seen. Uh, big guys who are big uh, spokespeople for that issue. And I think it's an issue that I think in collegiate athletes, they should stress a little more. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of things. There's money tied into that. So I think, but I think that as time goes on, we should see a little bit more uh, mental health being discussed early on because, I mean, the issues start early. And by the time you get older, it's, sometimes it's a little too late to kind of get a hold on them. And it's a great point because you got, you know, a lot of young athletes coming in out of high school, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, coming into played, you know, division one, division two ball. A lot of transition comes with that in terms of moving out of province or sorry, moving out of state, some individuals moving from different countries. And then, like I said, move after at the collegiate level is done in terms of that transition going either playing professional or in terms of what life brings as well. Yeah, I think, uh, Definitely for the kids who are coming in and, you know, everybody gets into college and thinking they're going to the NBA, they're thinking they're going pro because uh, they were the best players wherever they were at. And they don't realize when you get to the next level, those are the best players where they were at. And then it just gets it's the same and it gets even tougher and more competitive as it goes on, you know. So I think being able to talk to somebody because, you know, like a lot of us who played, we put a lot of time into the game and to and to have it feel like it's it's like you know drifting away and it's, it's a hard thing to to process mentally sometimes and for yourself in terms of those transition points like I said you know 
playing uh, playing ball in college in terms of playing ball here in Canada in terms of playing ball overseas. How were those transition points for yourself? So going into college, I really wasn't a highly recruited player. Uh, I had a growth spurt probably going into my senior year. So I was I was originally supposed to be a Division three player. Um, and luckily got to be about 6'4", 6'5", after my senior year. And after that happened, uh, a lot of schools came coming in very late. And I was I was still probably the best in my area. But once that once I got that growth spurt and those schools started coming in, you know, I, I get to the next level. So I really didn't have a huge expectation because I wasn't used to being, you know, the highly touted guy out of the area. There were other guys who were like probably a little more touted than I was. And um, so I didn't have that hard of a transition in that area to college. But I think the hardest transition I had was going from college into the pro game because there's a lot of just like, you know, there's little things like politics involved. You know, you got a guy who's been playing 10 years versus a guy who's just coming in. You know, they're going to they're a little weary of giving the, the new guy a chance rather than somebody who's established. So I, being able to understand the politics behind it and, you know, being able to kind of be able to, you know, be able to recognize, you know, you got to still work even harder once you're into the next level um, to be able to stay and, and make it and make it a career. And that's true in terms of, like I said, you know, that's a lot of pressure coming in. Like I said, finishing off in terms of that college system where, you know, I'm here for, if it's, you know, two, three, four years, and then going to the professional level. So how did yeah. you handle those pressures? It was tough. Um, I think when I first got to the edge in out in, in St. John's, uh, you know, I was I was pretty I was doing pretty well. I was uh, in my position. I was probably looking at borderline being a st- starting as a rookie on the team. Um, and lo and behold, Carl English, the hometown hero, comes back. Um, and man, he was great. He he was a he, I mean he's a, a legend. So I being seeing him and then you know that kind of it kind of slowed down my development a little bit. Uh, but I also got hurt, and I learned a lot from him. Um, on how to just kind of conduct myself uh, and, and and learn how to work hard because that dude's man, he's a worker, uh, proven, proven, legendary athlete out there in those parts. So I think that uh, kind of helped me with moving forward. And once I got down through with the edge and I knew I wasn't uh, probably going to come back, that when I went into Germany and Montenegro gave me a new different level of uh, thinking as far as preparing for my next step. So... And in terms of handle all that pressure and kind of moving forward, what supports do you feel will be beneficial for professional athletes in terms of those transition points, in terms of playing overseas, playing internationally? Well, especially in the international field, you have to have a lot of confidence. Um, one thing I've dealt with a lot when I was over there is um, depending on the league you go to, you know, you, you have a certain amount of international players. It was, it was the same when I was in Canada. So you had to have a certain amount of – well, in Canada, I guess it was a certain amount of Canadians had to be on the team in order to fill out your roster. Over there, it's – you're only allowed, you know, maybe – depending on the league, maybe one, maybe four international guys. So when I was over there, I was we, was only, we were only allowed one. And um, it tends to – a lot of the good luck or bad – or good, good or bad things that happen tend to fall on you, regardless of whether or not you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So kind of being able to stay confident and – you know, you can't you can't get too high, you can't get too low because it's a it's a it's an ever changing game. Like some game, one game you might win, have thirty, and you might still have thirty the next game, but lose. But the coach is going to be on you about why we lost, and you know it's it's all on you because they're spending their money to keep you on the team. Like you're you're their highest commodity right now. So just being able to talk to yourself and stay confident with yourself and 
not get too high and not get too low is a huge thing for, I think, all athletes transitioning. Yeah, there's a great point there. Because as the stakes get higher, it's harder, like I said, to kind of keep that confidence moving forward. It's easier to kind of have those dark thoughts, those self-doubt moments there. But being able to kind of keep true to yourself there is a great point for sure. Right. In terms of, like I said, going back to the collegiate level, you know, what supports would you like to see implemented in, you know, the, the NCAA or, like I said, the Division One, Division Two, you know, no matter what aspect of uh, the NCAA for athletes? I think it should be for it honestly should be in all sports, but I think a big a big emphasis on football, American football and basketball, um, women's and men's. I think um, it shouldn't just be catered to just the men's side. I know that's the, kind of the one that's everybody watches and that's what's bringing the money in. But I think women's sports are, you know, just as important. Um, but I think, yeah, those two, because there's a lot of pressures that um, come along with playing in those, especially the higher level in Division One. you get. You know, you got these guys who are all over TV and you got these different analysts critiquing everything you do. And if you start getting into watching that and, start taking it a little too seriously. It's, it's, it's very hard on your mental because, you know, this guy's my saying you need to do this when your coach is saying you need to do that. And you go out there trying to impress this guy on, on TV and it ends up kind of messing up your whole game. So being able, I think those emphasis, the emphasis on those two sports because of how, you know, commonly watched they are by the general public are, are probably the two biggest sports I would say need some help collegiately in the mental health aspect. Yeah, they said a lot of high profile there, a lot of attention, a lot of media there. Right. And, and what supports do you think we can implement or should be implemented or put in to, to take care of, let's say, the athletes at that level? I don't know. Maybe um, I was thinking about this yesterday, maybe kind of like a maybe to have a sports psychologist, you know, in, in, attached to a team um, or not even just one team, maybe just at a school that, that kind of just handles those athletes. Um, I think sports psychology is huge uh, because sometimes you don't recognize some of the things that are added stressors involved with your sport and being able to talk just ha- or just a counselor, something, somebody you can just come to to talk that has nothing to do with the program, doesn't have any vested interest because, you know, you talk to your coach, it's, it's going to be a little different. You know, he has a vested interest and his job kind of depends on your play. So being having somebody whose job doesn't have anything to do with whether or not your, your success or not, I think those should be attached. So I'm just, just a person to talk to, kind of get those, those stressing situations and being able to talk through them. That's a great point because, again, it's hard to know, hey, what can I say, what can't I say to a coach? Because, again, you know, at the end of the day, the game or how the performance goes is a big factor. But, again, also, too, knowing an athlete is more than just an athlete. They, they come yeah. with their own lives, their own experiences, you know, their own upbringing there as well, which can impact, you know, an individual's play as well. Right. I think a person's upbringing is huge. That's a huge, great point because, you know, we all come from different different walks of life. Like I said, I wasn't recruited at all. Now, if I go to this school who, with a guy who was recruited heavily and, you know, I've, it just it causes, it causes a weird dynamic sometimes between even your teammates. So being able to kind of understand that and just understand the walks of life different people come from and having somebody who can kind of work around that without having a vested interest in the team. And just being someone who's there to talk is is huge, I think, for all athletes. Was there ever, like I said, a discussion in your four years at Coastal Carolina? Um, a little bit. Um, and we had certain people there who kind of tried to take on that role um, without really knowing. Uh, you know, we had academic advisors who sometimes 
made it their job to just, you know, call you and make sure you were okay, right? Not not kind of focusing on the schoolwork, you know, that was their main job, but just, are you okay? Um, I had a couple coaches who tried their best to take themselves out of the equation and just focus on with the issue at hand or whatever was going on. So I think, you know, if coaches can do their part too and just trying to take out, you know, their job in it and focus just on the player and their mental, I think that could not only help the player, but help the coach as well to kind of move past some of the barriers. And sometimes, you know, us athletes have mental blocks that are causing us to kind of not play at our highest potential. So just having some coaches who can kind of get in there, dig deep into the, the mind of an athlete and, and kind of help push past those barriers. For sure. And get back to the coach's part. Is there any other points you think is important for coaches to be aware of around taking care of an athlete's mental health or ensuring an athlete's okay? Yeah, but I think there are great coaches out there, but I think sometimes coaches forget, you know, we're, we're people too. Uh, it's not just, the, it's just not the sport. It's not just because we're playing for you. I think you should, you should take a coach should take into context, you know, let me get to know him. And yes, a lot of times they know your upbringing because they recruited you and they, they've met your family. But I think just being able to, you know, have, just connect with them, like have them over to the house, have the team over to the house you know, connect with them on a different level, you know, do, do different activities outside of, outside of basketball, football, whatever sport it is, and being able to kind of get to know the, the person rather than the player. No, for sure. I think that's one of the biggest parts. And again, that's not going to happen over just one recruiting visit. That's going to happen over time as you build, you know, trust or rapport with that coach. Right. I think, I think one of the, one of the coaches who I see that just seeing uh, some of these guys who play for him, I think Tom Izzo, I think a lot of the, his former players, like they all love him. You know, he comes out even after they play and going to their games in professional, at the professional level, taking time out to go watch them play. Um, you know, every I, every person I've met who's played for him, I've met about four or five. They love him. I mean, they like he's like a second father to them because I think he takes that time out and really shows that he cares about them more than he cares about the wins and losses. So, and it speaks too about that respect that coaches have for their athletes and coach or athletes will have the same respect back to their coach when you know, okay, they know me not just as a point guard or power forward or a center, but they know me as a person. Right. I think that's huge. You know, you, you know that person, if you feel like the coach has a, a general, general care, he cares generally about you. I mean, I think it just adds so much more to the team because you're going to want to go fight. You're going to want to go play your heart out for that coach. Sometimes you get into a into a if you get a coach who kind of doesn't show that he cares a lot about you and just cares about the wins and losses. I mean, you'll play hard, but you're not winning for you don't want to win for him. You want to win for yourself and I guess in your teammates. You don't really care about what he has going on. As you said, you'll play your heart out for him. It reminds me of back during March Madness. We had uh, Trey Moses. He played four years at Ball State. We had him on for an episode. He talked okay. about the importance of. Uh, oftentimes we hear people say treat people how. Uh, you want to be treated, but you right. know that's not necessarily true for all of us because we all want to be treated a bit differently based on our upbringing, our experiences, who we are. So treat people how they want to be treated. You, you right. talked about and how he had a coach who treated each player how they want to be treated, knowing how each person's individual. So it's interesting that part as well. Yeah, I think that's that's actually a great point too. You know, you got to realize some people you can't deal with the the same player the same way. You know, like I was the kind of guy I like getting yelled at. You know, I think getting yelled at and getting in my face kind of motivated me to do better. But there were some guys on my team who they were shut down 
with that same kind of that same level of intensity. So being able to, and that comes with knowing the knowing the player and knowing the person. If you know the person, you'll know it. this guy might not respond the same way you know Colson will in this situation. So let me figure out a different way to address him and get the best out of him rather than the way I get it out of Colt by yelling at him and you know letting letting him know he needs to be better. So that's actually a great point as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And like I said, I like how you really focus on how you want. Know there's some great people doing some great things work out there. And again, I'm hoping that again over time the conversation will change. We're able to shatter stigma. We're able to kind of really make sure the athlete's voice is being heard because oftentimes it's easy for an athlete to feel, hey, I can't speak up because you know, you know, there's so much power in the you know the system, the coaches, the league, you know, and there's a lot of those pressure points as well. What can I say? What can't I say? Right. I think also the media too, you know, the the media is like it's 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 sometimes it gets ridiculous. And I think what's what's going on now is the the players uh, at the higher the higher echelons are really starting to you know, call the media out and like, you see it all the time. Now you got all these players who have different podcasts, JJ Reddick, Draymond Green, you know, they have these podcasts who call out the media and they, and they kind of are changing the narrative of, you know, you can't just talk about this guy, how you want to talk about this guy to give views and ratings. Like you're going to, you're going to need to really speak the truth. And, and, you know, you got to be able to realize he's a person as well. And that's where it comes back down to the whole shut up and dribble thing with LeBron James, like, Though I think these athletes now are really starting to realize are taking social media by the horns and making it their own and making it something that, you know, caters more to the athlete. That's a great point because, again, if this was your ever show and they had thousands or millions of people calling down on social media, we'd be looking at next steps. But, again, when it comes to sports, for some reason, we feel, oh, it's okay because they're an athlete. Because athletes, they're not vulnerable. They're entitled. That's the mindset. But yet, athletes are even more vulnerable because oftentimes it's harder to speak up. Right. And it's and it's, you know, you're on it's it's easy to say what you would do, what you would do other than when you have when you have millions of eyes watching you, you know, and nobody's going to always agree with everything you do. So it's, it's a little it's different for the regular person to say something rather than, you know, an athlete say something because nobody somebody's going to find something wrong with it. Just like somebody would find something wrong with anything me or you said in that setting. So. You know, you got to re- they have to I think people got to realize that everybody has their own opinion. And just because the opinion doesn't match yours, it doesn't mean you bash him. Doesn't mean you because I mean, that's that's comes back to mental health. And that, that makes people a little less weary to speak up and, and talk and talk openly and have open dialogue about things, um, especially with all the issues we got going on in the world now. So. And that's the thing, like statistics show one in four individuals will face some form of mental health concern at some point in life. And for elite athletes, that statistic is even higher. It's closer to one in three. And like I said, it's due to, like I said, the additional pressures that athletes are going through in terms of being under a microscope, in terms of, you know, that outside view of what people have thought about what athletes are and what they should be compared to, again, the human at the end of the day as well. Yeah, I think this biggest thing is recognizing you got your, you got your player and then you got the person. You can't take the player and the person and kind of mix them. It's not and they're not really the same thing, but I still think that they should be able to say what they want to say without having to being under the microscope and, you know, on every news outlet for saying just something small like that doesn't really hold any bearing. They still got they still are entitled their, to their opinion. They still should be able to speak out. They're not entitled because of their job. I know it comes with, you know, they're getting paid. A lot of people feel like, you know, an athlete's making millions of dollars, so he shouldn't speak on these things because they don't affect him. But as it goes back to his upbringing, he actually probably, you never know where he came from. He might've came from somewhere 
in that upbringing and he's speaking up for the people who don't who, who don't have the voices to speak up for themselves so no for sure like i said you look at even some of the top athletes you know in the game you talked about Dwayne wade who's had his struggles in terms of you know, his mother was incarcerated over the years in terms of him having to bounce around from family member to family member you look at they like said lebron james him and his mother moving house to house there uh, her raising him on his loan like I said, you look about Kevin Love in terms of talking about his battle with depression, DeMar DeRozan talking about his battle with mental health. At the end of the day, athletes are humans as well. Exactly. I think that should just be a, that, that stigma. And it start, I think the stigma is starting to kind of, you know, present itself and, and show that, you know, we're, we're starting to take what these athletes say seriously and not just with a grain of salt. And in terms of, like I said, you know, understanding that there's so many dynamics to sport. I know recently you posted about, uh, Aaron Baines injury and how like I said, you know, that can be any of us and how, you know, you've gone through your own share of injuries. You even talked about it there today around uh, in, being injured during your time with St. John's Edge. How did you find, like I said, you know, how injuries can impact an individual's mental health and how, what supports should there be? Uh, yeah, I think injuries played a huge, probably in my entire career, that's probably been the hardest thing mentally for me. Um, I went from never being injured and getting into college my first year break, I broke my foot. Well, didn't didn't really suffer too much mental health trauma from that because it was my first injury. You know, I was just ready to get back. Um, then I go through my sophomore year. I end up still recovering from my foot, not playing that well. Then going to my junior year, playing great, then breaking my wrist. So then now I'm now I'm going through it again. Uh, still staying positive, um, getting through it. Then finally getting through my senior year, I get all the way to the end. My final game, my senior year, I tore my MCL. Uh, so then I'm now I'm trying to battle back, and now I'm working on trying to get to be a pro. And now, but I'm hurt. So I'm trying to like rehab as well as work out. Um, then I get to St. John's, I'm playing really well. And then I tear my meniscus. Now I'm out again. And I think St. John's is probably where I suffered a lot of mental health issues. Um, not only because I was playing so well and I already was kind of struggling with trying to ingratiate myself in the team with Carl coming back and then um, being hurt at the same time. Luckily, you know, they were they were first class because they didn't a lot of guys get sent home when they get hurt to the severity I did when you have to get surgery. And then they kept me around. And uh, Mike O'Neill, uh, he, he trained he, he trained me back up. Let me rehab. They let me play a few games at the end to kind of get my win back. And then I uh, ended up leaving, going to Montenegro, going to Germany, getting hurt again. Um, and this is the, that was the one that kind of really hurt me bad because uh, I just realized that I just Sometimes you just realize, you know, you, if you can't stay healthy, you can't really, you can't really do what you want to do at the level you want to do it. So um, it was, it was, it was time to start really letting go of, you know, that dream of me wanting to play at the highest level. Um, and I and I suffered from it a lot, uh, probably for about, I want to say maybe even a couple of years, and then I finally was able to let go. Um, but I think injuries are just, it's a tough thing because we train so hard and we work all these hours a day. And sometimes your body can't can't kind of produce the way you want it to produce. You know, you're you have the talent to play at that level, but your body just doesn't follow. So I think that's one of the biggest things I think people need. Um, I think athletes need is someone to kind of talk to when the injuries occur, because you get into a dark place. You see Ben Simmons. He has now he has this mental block going on that's like triggering his back and all because of, you know, injuries. And now, he you know, he has the stuff going on in Philadelphia and, and the injuries. I mean, they play a big role. Everybody gets hurt. I mean, it, every year somebody, a big athlete ends up getting hurt. So 
I think that's a it's a, injuries are really tough. And one point that you brought up that was you know it's so true about the isolation piece that oftentimes when athletes injured, especially for a long period of time, they'll be sent home for surgery to heal. But oftentimes, you know, the body might be healing, but the mind won't, won't because, again, we're away from the team, you're away from your training staff, you're away from coaches, and it's that separation piece. And it's a question, okay, well, who am I now? If I'm not an athlete, who am I? That part of identity for an athlete can be difficult. Yeah, that's that's huge. I, I mean, like you said, it's you don't know who you are. You, you, you play this game. I mean, I was playing since I was maybe eight, nine years old. All I knew was basketball till, till I was about 26. So I'm, I'm spending a, literally two thirds of my life playing basketball. Um, and when you get and when you get to the point where it's like, what do I do now? I think that's the hardest transition for an athlete. Um, and even to this day, I still kind of struggle. I mean, I got I'm doing my different things now, but I still don't know exactly what I want to do because you want to stay around the game and you and I can still play. And so it's hard to like kind of figure out where do I fit in in the world in that sport without playing but still being able to play. So I think it's really, it's like I said, injuries are just a really hard thing. Cause like you said, your mind wants, you, your mind tells you you can play, but your body just, it just breaks down. And it's a hard thing to, like, that, that mental, that mental side of that, the isolation, everything is something that I think people really need to have an outlet to get things off their chest and, you know, talk to somebody. No, for sure. Like I said, looking at, you know, what's the worst can there be? And oftentimes, I've worked in the mental health field for a while now in terms of, okay, how can we make this in between social work and sport and worked with a couple of organizations, been involved with the Alliance of Social Work and Sport and say, okay, how can we grow this field? Because again, athletes are looking for that support. How can we make sure that coaches, leagues, administrations can recognize the need for it as well? Yeah, I think, I think the higher up leagues, NBA and those kind of leagues are making it a, a pressing issue as of now. Uh, I would like to see some of the, the other leagues in Europe, um, I know in Canada, when I was there, they didn't have too many things uh, going on at the time. So I, I would like to see some of those leagues because they're great players in, that, in those leagues like that can play at the highest level. I mean, whether or not it just, you know, if they, they get in and stay in um, is one thing. But there's there's some great players who, who can use that and come from really tough backgrounds that that I met just playing all around the world. So just having those in the other leagues, not just the highest league, because the highest league is always going to be able to keep up with the trends and keep up with what's what's popular and mental health right now is a big issue. So just see the other leagues kind of take precedent on that and and help the athletes in Europe, because I would say Europe is probably the hardest league mentally to hardest place to play in mentally in comparison to the NBA, because, you you know, you're back home in the NBA, you're in the States, you're, you're very comfortable with the, your surroundings. Europe, you're in a whole different country with people who speak in different languages. So those kind of mental issues are tough because you really have nobody to talk to there because half the people don't even speak your language. And so you're really dealing with a lot on your own. So I, I would like to see those leagues kind of incorporate some more mental health strategies to help athletes. For sure. Again, uh, to reference uh, Trey Moses' episode, he spoke about the same thing in terms of playing Europe, the isolation, the lack of support sometimes is hard because you're thinking, okay, well, it's not like I'm back in the States where I got friends, family, I got people who are close, they speak my language. It's that isolation factor, which can make it harder on someone's mental health. Right. And, you know, you don't got... I mean, you like some like, you know, there's players who speak English and they'll try to kind of help you. But, you, you know, you just met this guy. You're going to be known for probably four or five months and then you're going to you're going to go right back home. So it's, it's hard to get comfortable and get vulnerable with, with those with those people, as in, you know, somebody back in the States. Plus, you don't even have your phone. Your phone doesn't work over there. So it's not like you can just get on the phone and call somebody. So it's, it's, it's a I think Europe needs to 
they need to do stuff to kind of help the foreigners that are coming over there and playing. No, great point there for sure. Uh, Colton, one thing we often do is the final wrap up. It's like I say, just quick questions go through and first off to come to mind. First one, what would you say is one of the top experiences you've had as an athlete? Uh, I would say there's two. Obviously, one is playing in the NCAA tournament. Um, I got to play against two two teams that one went to the national championship and the other one was the number one seed. They ended up losing, but that was just a great experience for the exposure of the media. It was just cool to kind of see, you know, be at that pedestal and and be at that level. Um, I would say number two would be, would be playing for the edge. I think we were, I was on the first team ever out there and, uh, you know, those fans were, I mean, that was, that was one of the, that's probably the best environment I've ever played in uh, overseas and in, in the States. Um, those fans were crazy. Uh, we had a great staff. We had great guys on the team who I still talk to all of them to this day. So I think that, that was two of my greatest moments. What would you say you would tell your younger self? What was the word of advice? Keep working, keep working. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's never easy. I think I, there's a few times where I probably could have worked a little harder in some situations. Uh, maybe would have got me to a different level, a different, or, you know, seen by a different person. So I would just say keep working um, and, and don't give up. You know, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough world out here in the basketball world. So, so to, to just, you know, keep, keep stay the course, keep working, and uh, keep pushing through. What would you say makes a well athlete? Work ethic, 100%. Um, every, every good player who I know who's at the highest level, the one consistent thing that I've seen them all have is like an extreme work ethic. Um, if, you, if you work at it, like it's cliche as it sounds, if you work at it, usually the results are going are gonna to come in some way, shape, or form. So as long as you keep working, stay consistent, um, and, you know, don't leave the party in the loan. And let, let, the partying is going to come. Just, just work at your craft, and once you get to the highest level and – you're established at that level, then start partying because you because you you made it. No, I said being able to kind of you know put in the work and then you know celebrate when you when you get there. Great words for sure. Right. And what would you say brings you happiness and peace? Um, being around the game still, being able to still play. Uh, you know, I get to still do it. You know, not at the level I was doing it, but I just the game brings me so much joy. Whether it's I, I train a little bit here and there coaching here and there, um, playing here and there. I think just the game of basketball in general. Um, I'm, I'm a super junkie. I watch the play. I mean, I, I watch every college. I watch a lot of college games, a lot of pro games. So just the game itself, you know, that's, it's always going to be my my center of joy. Great for sure. Again, Colton, thanks again for joining us today on court. So I really appreciate it. And like I said, some great words of wisdom, like I said, for players, coaches, administration. So like I said, hopefully change is coming. So our hope here at Courtside Wellness is to shatter stigma, not the athlete. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to check out other episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Podbean. You can also follow us on social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.